don't be too harsh on yourself because we all great dentists. We're born to be great dentists. Welcome to the Dental Head Start podcast. I'm David Keir, and this episode we sit down with Dr. Catherine Yang. And Catherine is an energetic and inspired speaker, but she's also an author and she talks on fear. Specifically, her book is Step on Fear. And I think that's such a relevant topic to us as dentists because let's be honest, we all go through these situations where we're fearful, we're anxious, um, whether it's a new case, a certain patient, something within our life. It's just such a crucial thing to be able to move through. Now, this book is not specifically designed for dentists, but of course, Dr. Catherine Yang is a dentist. She's a practice owner. And one of the things that inspired me the most about this discussion is that she's actually heavily involved in B1G1. That's buy one, give one, a company that we partner with where every listen means someone gets fresh water for a day and every time you share a podcast on social media, someone gets oral hygiene equipment for a day. And yes, it's a small impact, but it's still an impact. And that's the whole point of B1G1. We talk a lot about that in this. We talk about how she incorporates it into her practice and that's something that I hope you know, many people in the future are inspired to do. Dr. Catherine Yang even wrote a chapter in one of their books that came out a couple of years ago. So, there's lots that we talk about, really inspiring podcast, really inspiring person. I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Catherine Yang. Now, at the end, we've got the Ripe Global segment. And of course, that is a piece of Ripe Global content we're trying to get out to you, a little taste test, if you will, um, knowing that you can get a pretty significant discount if you're interested in any of their content. So, check out the show notes for that discount, um, 30% off for life, which is, I think, pretty amazing. And the last thing I want to mention, which is incredible, really, we just passed 100,000 listens. And uh, that's just really amazing that there's been so much impact of this podcast and these interviews and these amazing speakers that we have on. They've really given their time and, and their story. And I think it's um, it's always inspiring. I hope it has really given people drive to do more, to push harder, um, you know, given perspective. I hope it's supported people. Um, I'm just really happy that we've got to this point. And my team, amazing people. We've got Jadem Capel, who's co-hosting the What I Wish I Knew podcast, Graham edits the main podcast matt edits what i wish i knew erica is the reason you see this on social media and keeps me in line and of course bridget who was a part of what i wish i knew early on massive contributor early on everybody who's helped um it's been amazing thank you for your feedback for now enjoy the podcast with dr Catherine yang what are you focusing on this year What are the CPD topics, the disciplines that you really want to get better at? And how do you find all the information out there on those topics? cpdjunkie.com.au is made to be a comprehensive directory of CPD in Australia and New Zealand. We created this because we found this frustrating. And now there is a system where you can be alerted if there's topics that come up that you are interested in. Make an account at cpdjunkie.com.au and update your alert settings. Every month on the 20th, we send an email sending you the information specific that you want to know about. Interested in communication, aesthetics and orthodontics? Same. Update your alert settings now. Take your CPD to the next level with cpdjunkie.com.au. I am so excited to welcome Dr. Catherine Yang to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Catherine. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, David. 
I'm excited to talk about this for so many reasons. One of the main things we're going to talk about is is Stepping on Your Fear. It's the book you wrote um, just recently, Step on Fear. Relating to dentistry, I think that is just a crucial aspect for us young graduates. You know, myself personally, I think I could gain a lot from that concept. Um, but I was also really excited to learn when I was doing research on you that you are heavily involved in B1G1. B1G1, if you're a listener of the podcast, uh, you'd probably be aware that something we think is amazing and we use to give that little bit back. So, every listen for this podcast gives water to someone in need and every share of our social media content content gives oral hygiene to someone in need. Um, I'm so excited to talk about all of that. Um, The first thing I wanted to ask, why is giving such a key part of your mission and your life? Great question. Um, I do think that every one of us would be automatically think that whenever um, people ask us to do something, we automatically will think that what's in for me. So we tend to ask and we tend to want to receive. But we forget one very important point is that the person needs to be willing to give it to you. So in other words, that when the person decides to be nice and show the kindness to you, in turn, that they actually was looking something in return. For example, your love, your care, and the value that you see in them. So interesting enough that when you are talking about receiving, what you receive is really based on what you can give. So B1G1 is such a wonderful entity that really touched my heart. It is an entity that, uh, a social entity that it stands for, you buy one and you give one. A lot of times that we thought if we have the money, if we have the um, mindset of the investment, whether to invest in materials or ourselves, that we want to receive something in return. But B1G1 helps you to take that step for, step forward um, to really not only just receive something, but at the same time, you give something phenomenal. As dentists, that we see people every day. And we are in people's business. Whether you like it or not, you don't just look at a set of teeth. And whether you want to feel it or not, to whatever the extent that you choose to allow that to impact on you, it is actually the feedback from the patient that really affects you. It doesn't matter how good a composite resin that you have restored for that tooth. If that person is not happy, you feel like crap. Oh, mm. can I say certain languages on this podcast? Maybe <laughs> it's I very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> We're a realistic podcast. I've been through, you know, a lot of years. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I should say that a lot of times that we focus so much on our technical part of it, and believe me, this is my twenty second year in dentistry. That no matter how experienced you are, and no matter how many people you have served. You always have that moment and thinking like, I could have done better. If only I have more time. If only I have a better de- dental assistant. If only I have a better day. If only I can redo it again. But let me tell you, you don't need to redo it again. Because every time you give it a go, you give it a shot, you should really give yourself a pat on your back because you've done it. You take action. And for that, you are to be complimented. And for that, you should have the bravery to really think that, oh, wow, 
You know, I've done it and I can only do better. So one thing that I really want to point to the listeners is that don't be too harsh on yourself because we all great dentists. We're born to be great dentists. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in this job. There are many, many jobs in the world and they can all be great. Why do you choose to be a dentist? It's just an occupation that you choose because you feel resonated with. So we should respect all walks in life. But when you choose to be a dentist, be a great one. And when you want to be a great one, you really do it from the heart. It is only when you can actually connect your heart to your mind, you can see the magic happen. So I love this. I love this podcast. I love this title that for young dentists, don't just see yourself as inexperienced or lack of skills. You got so much potential in you. And there are so many people out here, out there, really willing, want to just give you a hand, show you and give you the pointers. And you don't have to follow their footsteps exactly. But if somebody have been there, done that, it's a great asset for you to own. So if someone want to give that to you, take it with a humble heart and say thank you with gratitude. And that is so important that I cannot stress and emphasize um, more than it already should be, is that when we are looking after people's teeth, what we are really doing is to bring that smile on their face, is to really bring that happiness in their life. And for you and me, because we are so connected to our work that we feel that. So when you can truly feel that you bring the happiness to that person, you can really see that in their eyes, in their smiles, on their face, and in return, that you have that smiley happiness to enrich your own life. And that is why B1G1 is all about creating the smile impacts around the world. And as David has known uh, so well, and so is myself that are so connected to this, that simply check it out and see what you can do. B1G1, I think, is such a great concept because it connects as obviously business with giving. And as you said, we're in the business of helping people. Helping patients is what we started this for. For many of us, that's the, the, the genuine initial reason we get into dentistry. If we can then connect that into a bigger impact, I think that's amazing. And so, B1G, when I was exposed to it actually through listening to a podcast, um, uh, Catherine, are you aware of the podcast, the Dent podcast, um, Dent Global? Have you ever heard of that? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I, I have a feeling based on the yes, yeah, Glenn Carlson. I had a feeling based on the circles you move in that you may be aware of Glenn and his work. Um, if anyone listening has not heard of Glenn Carlson and the Dent Podcast, there is years worth of content there that is amazing. And I was exposed to Paul Dunn and B One G One through that um, fantastic resource. How were you exposed to B One G One, Catherine? How did you start getting involved in that? Oh, this this is a story. Um, I actually get to know Paul Dunn in person, uh, not by plane, but it happened. Um, I was in such a um, low 
desponding state in my dental business that I feel like it's really going nowhere. I can't really do much more, although I want to achieve more and give more. So I decide to step outside my comfort zone. I decide that uh, maybe I should seek help outside dentistry because as dentists, we probably don't really have the right skills to run business. So because of that, I went to a business conference and um, it happened to be a really big one. It, I, I would think that there would be at least, at least 300 people there. Um, in that conference, funny enough, I was the only dentist and all the other people are in the business sector. I couldn't understand a thing that they were talking about. <laughs> I, I felt worse. I honestly feel worse because I feel like, oh man, if this is what business is like, it's it's going to take me more than another 10 years to get there. <laughs> and it was very defeating until one of the um one of the great friend, he told me that uh cats just wait. You know, you you've you've come so far that wait until that very last uh guest speaker. You're going to love it. I know you will. And guess what? Of course, that guest speaker is all done. <laughs> and uh, when he was on the stage, in addition to his usual um, great presentation skill, he couldn't help to um, you know, cover himself um, with a hand to say that he has this loose crown. And he said that uh, I'm just so conscious of it that it, it can, if it does flew out, you know, <laughs> at any time, please, please do not, please do not uh, take it against me. And what's worse was that in that in that um, in that meeting, he he told everybody that they were doctors. I'm not talking about dentists. I'm talking about medical doctors. So even though I was the only dentist there, there were some medical doctors and they were in probably like a big chain and uh, those those kind of level. So not particularly clinical, but they were trained uh, medically. So he actually told every one of us in that conference to say that uh, last night that this crown gets a bit loose and it came off and I actually consulted with one of our great old that he's a medical doctor. So by all means that he has a full qualification to give me the medical advice. He asked me to send away this boy and then get the super glue to super glue it back. <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, no way. What a great excuse to go and talk with Paul and be like, Paul, no, don't do that. Oh. Um, <laughs> No, I was so worried about the poisoning of the going <laughs> as well. I was like, are you kidding me? This is advice like, given by an Australian medical doctor? Oh, you are kidding me. So um, so I was, uh, although that I felt so small and I feel like I was so underachieved compared to all those big people, at the end of his talk, um, I, I woke up, to him on the side uh, when he when he was off the stage, I went over. I gave him my business card, and um, I I usually don't like to reach out so um, to strangers, but at that time I feel like I have to help him. So I reached out, and there was a Saturday night. And as you and I know, that none, not much, not many surgery open on the weekends, not on the Saturday night. And even if they do, they probably would be. Um, 
I, I would say like um, not not super experienced um, clinicians would be on call. So um, I was worried about him. And then I went up to him and I gave him the card to prove that I am a dentist in Australia. And then I say that, um, Mr. Dan, I am so touched and moved by your presentation. Uh, may I please have the privilege to help you? I am an Australian trained dentist and I I have already asked my staff to see if they can actually open the shop just for you. And he was he he was yeah, he was um yeah, couldn't believe it. And of course that he was a bit suspicious too because he needed to check me out, right? So <laughs> it's quite scary to just uh, trust anybody who claimed to be a dentist in a foreign country. So uh, so then he had uh, we had a bit of a chat. In fact, that we probably spent at least half an hour talking about his dental history before he was he was brave enough to give me a shot. <laughs> yeah, but what I what I really want to say was that. Um, I, I want to say that teamwork is so important. So remember what I say that don't blame on your inexperience or don't blame on your DA or whoever on your team. For you to be able to actually serve your patient, regardless of the situation, be grateful. Because at that time, obviously, I can't help him just by myself. So it was after hour, just one phone call to my DA. And we, we running a business was wasn't going very well. And one word, she she went there, opened the shop, got everything all ready. And then by the time that we arrived, um, it's way over eight o'clock at night. And it turned out to be a complication. So not not to him, but like the procedure itself is uh, quite complex. It's not just as simple as a uh, re-cementing. So cut the long story short, we, we were actually there um, for at least one or two hours. And by all means that I am an experienced dentist. So so when I say complex, it was complex. And I was just so glad that I could help him. And in other words, like any one of you wouldn't have the heart to let people go just like that. And at the end of it, that he was so happy and he talked about the B1GI in more detail with me. And then at that time that he, he asked me, he said, um, Kath, uh, how, how much do I owe you? Or how much do, do you want me to pay you? And I said, no, you, you gave me more than money can buy. And then he goes, oh, no, 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 I have to. Then I say that, well, then allow me to know how to help more people. And mind you, the business at that time was tough. I, I wasn't making any money. But knowing B1G1 gave me the hope. What kind of hope? You can start as small as just one cent, as small as one US cent. Then you can help somebody out there. How good is that? Uh, I love that. And uh, I I resonate with the same things you resonate, which is we don't have to be in this huge successful business. This is a podcast that earns like, you know, I could just go and do dentistry and earn so much more. I do earn a little bit of money from this, but I can still give no matter what and that's the whole point and that's actually what I was so inspired to bring this into the podcast because I think it's really cool that the listeners can hear this and know they can do it too whether you own the practice or not whether you relate it to your business activities or just the concept of being able to factor into your life that one percent that you give or five percent or whatever percent or whether it's related to a business activity it's win-win would you agree and is that what you've seen with your business? 
totally, totally. And、um, I always love to、um, use the metaphor, like you know how people love this、um, idea of snowball effect, right?、Um, people people use it in the negative way to say that if something if something is not resolved on the t- on time, it can actually cause bigger problem. But I, I can tell you that it works in the positive way too. So if you actually give just a, a small giving of a love gesture, and then you, it's like a small small ball that you pass it on to the next person, and when that person catch it, and then they actually make the ball bigger, and then they pass it on to the to the next person, and so on and so forth. So I, I truly, I truly, totally agree with what you said that when we give. Even if it's just a random act of kindness, even if it is a deliberate, a calculated, a small act of、uh, niceness, it all adds up. And when we do that, not only we bring one on, we actually give one more. And I do think that when we can all do these, that、uh, in dentistry, that. We can f- help not just the person sit in the chair. We can help so many people out there, and in turn, that I do think that they bring more people that admire you, and then bring to to into your care because you care about them. Absolutely, it's so win-win, and in the end, it just makes it makes you feel good when you're doing that. And the way that I just love the way B One G One has made that accessible, which is fantastic. Tell me,、um, I see that you have actually written a chapter for one of their books.、Um, this book is in 2019 is published. It's called Legacy: The Sustainable Development Goals in Action. Could you just tell us a little bit about that book, perhaps, and and what you wrote for them、um, as well? Yes, sure.、Uh, Legacy is a is a compiled book、uh, that actually was written.、Uh, the particular one that I was involved in was written by fifty two、uh, different authors around the world. So this、uh, this fifty two authors, they all be one G one members.、Uh, they all run their own business and they all、uh, run different type of businesses. So、uh, what happened is I, I go and get this book because every book that you Purchase, you're actually helping to plant a tree, and that's very, very important、uh, to our environment. So, fifty-two authors that、uh, they divide uh, into uh, different chapters. So, as you know, that the United Nations have seventeen sustainable development goals, and、uh, for these seventeen chapters, each chapter would、uh, have. Two or three authors to actually、uh, delegate their their beliefs, their their helps, and their mind、uh, in this particular writing. So for my particular chapter, it's dedicated to、uh, the sustainable goal number ten, that is to reduce the、uh, uh, inequality. So that particular, not only just about the gender difference, but also about the、uh, a lot of times that when we when we describe either a study environment or business、um, environment, we could say that it is a very、um, unequal playing field. So when we have that, how do we actually reduce the inequality? Uh, if I could、um, find a slide, and maybe in the future, that if we meet and encounter again in, in the seminar, that I would like you to picture this slide. Now, imagine there's a there's a, a tall dad, and then their first son, so kind of like a high a high school kid height, and then the little young toddler, very short, and they're all standing and want to watch over the fence of the baseball field, and at the bottom. There were some、uh, 
boxes that you can actually stand on it and then just peep over the fence. Now, if I have three boxes, right? So the the father is tall enough to actually just watch without any box. Now the middle one, he can he can see better with one box, but the other person they need two boxes. So this little young toddler can see a lot better if you actually stand on two boxes. Theoretically speaking, if we have three boxes, if I want to say equally, then each one of them will have a box that step on. The dad will have a better view because he already can see. The middle one will definitely be able to see without the box, he can't see anything. But the younger one is still struggling. So what if we move the box from the dad and then stack it to the younger one, the youngest one, then everybody can see a great view. So we are talking about how to reduce the inequality in our society, in our business, and in our whatever that we do in life. It's very important that we understand equal, it doesn't mean that everybody got the same share. If you actually have a better talent, you, you actually know more, you should share more because other people will be able to have a better position because of your sharing. And sharing is about caring. So we're talking about equity. We're not talking about just a pure of a distribution evenly. So I do, I do think that is something that uh, if, if people can visualize it and then they can actually get more. I think that visualization, that metaphor is really great because you talk about a family. So you have the dad, the teenager and the toddler. If that was your family, it would be a no-brainer decision to not have something as the dad and give it to your toddler and your teenager. That is not even a question. But then in, you know, in real life, in, you know what I mean, in, in situations that are not your own personal family, that might get lost. So, it's a, it's a really good analogy. I, I think that's fantastic. I definitely want to read this book. I have not read it yet. I'm, I'm very interested. Um, Catherine, we haven't really spoken much about you and your journey and um, we'll touch on it. It's, I've, we've got so much to talk about. But I know you, um, you, know, you came to Australia at a, at a relatively young age and had some challenges that I Honestly, I couldn't even comprehend, like the language barrier. Can you tell us about the journey um, from Taiwan to Australia and then your education and and how hard it must have been? It was really hard. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If I could choose, I probably uh, would prefer that if I could come even younger. (laughs) You'd be very kind to say, yeah. That's why I thought the challenge of coming, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were 15. And so for some, you know, it's a challenge for anyone when you're changing language. But the younger you are, I, I would assume the more, you know, time you have to develop those language skills. It sounds to me like that is the most critical time. But you then still completed your schooling. How, how did you do that? <laughs> By the grace of God and a lot of help from people <laughs> around me. Yes, um, I was 15. So it was an awkward um, age. Um, as you know, that teenager would have a lot of um, very special thoughts in your mind and you have a specific pride of your own. Um, when I came here, that I thought that is such a great 
country that we have no homework. So I was really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. So coming from the Asian background, I'm pretty sure that、uh, people people with similar background would agree with me. That it can be very competitive, very competitive. So,、um, and I was I was born in the year of dragon. So, if you look up the Chinese horoscope, that dragon is tend to be a very popular year that people all want their babies to be dragons. So, <laughs> you you pretty much compete with already a a huge baby boom in the year, as well as those people that who are one year before you who wanted to repeat or、uh, come to school a bit later. Also, those younger one that who are so smart and they just want to have a head start. So,、uh, I, I was born in that particular generation and particular year. So I was under a lot of stress and under pressure. So when I knew that I can move to Sydney, I was so happy. I thought like this: no homework, no exam, no nothing, and just fun, just play. I was wrong, so wrong. <laughs>、uh, they should have actually do a seminar, you know, before we move. <laughs> so even now that I still have a very strong accent,、um, so that's why that maybe、um, yeah. When you listen to the podcast, you might think that hey, how come she's a she claim herself to be a speaker, a writer, and all this and that? But that's the things that I don't understand. But what I what I want to share with you is to be brave, to really just be you. Then and from my from my、um, young well fifteen years old, I figure that instead of actually being stepped on by my fear, I I need to learn a way to deal with my fear. We all know that basic、uh, mechanism that when we、um, and animals、uh, as well as human that when we encounter fear, the basic mechanism is either to run away or you just fight with it. So、uh, one great thing about being human is that we have emotion. So this is something very different from animals, and I'm sure that animals have feelings, and、uh, I'm, I love animals. But human beings are different. We have emotions, and a lot of times our emotion will make the fear exaggerated itself much bigger than what it is. And therefore, that I, I realize that if you just run away from fear, the fear, the problem will not go away. You come back. And then when it comes back, it can actually become a more complicating problem. Just like the patient that who decide not to take your advice to treat a tooth, and then that small hole turns out to be a root canal or even extraction. So it can be a problem if you run away from your fear. So don't do that. Number two is that、uh, it's very hard to actually fight.、Um, With all your might against your fear, whenever you encounter a problem, because if you every time you have to exhaust yourself with so much energy, and、uh, not only you get so exhausted, and before you can recover, another problem will will appear in your life. So、um, not only that. Even though that you may have already、uh, reconciled or resolved all the problem, you will have nothing left in you to celebrate, and that is so important that you need to be acknowledged and you need to celebrate your wins or even just your try. So、uh, those two basic mechanism didn't work for me, and at that time I realized that very early. So instead, I figured that I have to do it differently. 
And that's how I developed my own system. And that's called Step on Fear. So instead of running from it, instead of、uh, fighting against it with all your might, what you should do is that you should actually repackage your fear and then you will cut them, chop them up, or repackage them, reshape them so that they are in different shape and different size. Therefore, you can actually put it under your feet and you can step on it. And the most important, yeah, so you can, you can, you can visualize, all right? Yeah. She's getting,、uh, in the end, getting that return of giving, you know, seeing the satisfaction、right. and, and helping. And, and now it, it's just amazing how much that would have changed your life. I, I'm so impressed by that because English was my challenging subject in high school. And I was not an exceptional student in high school. I was lucky that I could do a postgraduate dentistry. Otherwise, I would not have got in. So to hear you do that within three years of basically learning the language to me is. One of the most astounding achievements I think I could ever imagine. <laughs> um, I also I love the fact that during that time of challenge, you came up with this step on fear framework. And, and now, obviously, you're trying to share that and have written the book. Fear is something that is,、uh, we all, as you've said, we all live with some fear.、Um, everyone's different, but I definitely have fear in different situations. I even get anxious coming up to a podcast interview. <laughs> so it's very real and very normal. And it's something that I think a lot of young dentists, graduates, students、um, do have to cope with.、Um, do you, and I know you talk with a lot of people on this topic, do you think that it's something it's quite prevalent? And do you think it's something that people struggle with in general? Yes, definitely. Um, as a dentist, we're already seeing fearful patients day in, day out. And even though that some people might tell you that, oh, I love my dentist, I, you know, I'm never scared of my dentist, I think they need to be thankful for a lot of great improvement in our industry and technology.、Uh, to be very honest, that it is a very fearful thing for somebody that to look into your mouth when you lie down and you feel like a vulnerable position. So I do think that、um, we, we are coming、uh, from an environment that we know that we're dealing with fear. Regardless of、um, how experienced you are. As a young dentist,、um, when I just started, it was extra daunting because not only I can feel that the patient was、um, skeptical about whether or not they, they are choosing the right dentist to see, I was actually doubting myself whether I was the right one to serve them. So I think that this topic is so important, especially for dentists, is that. Not only that, we, we are trying to help people to overcome their fear、uh, from the professional point of view. As a profession ourselves, we really need to know how to deal with our inner critic and also the fear that's stopping us to become that great dentist that we are all to be.、Mm-hmm. That's really, really good points. Do you think、um, fear is something most of us experience you know, throughout our lives? Is it something that disappears? Not at all. Fear is part of life. Fear is inevitable. A lot of people might actually want to associate fear with weakness. I doubt it. And even if we want to point it to weakness, I can say that one of the brilliant、uh, speech that、uh, Brene Brown said vulnerability. What's wrong for being vulnerable? It is only when you can really. Be truly vulnerable and be honest with yourself. You can be really true to yourself. It is only when you can be true to yourself, you can have that breakthrough and you can really enjoy life truly. 
And that is, that is true. That is the truth. So fear that it doesn't need to associate with um, incompetence. It doesn't need to be associated with uh, something scary in the sense that, you know, traumatic experience or uh, psychological impairment. I, I talked about fear in my book as anything, any situation that you feel frustrated, that's F, emotional, that's E, angry, that's A, and resentful, that's R. So anytime that you feel frustrated, anytime you feel emotional, anytime that you're getting a bit angry or even holding the grudge become very resentful, they're all a kind of fear. And you need to know how to step on it. That's really good. And I think you also answer the next question I had, which is, is it necessarily a bad thing? And, and from what I hear, it's obviously, it's a key part of our development. With the Brene Brown's um, talk, that's a, that's a TEDx talk, I believe, on vulnerability and I'll link to it. Um, I've, I've seen that as well. Um, we must mix in some similar circles. <laughs> um, but it's fantastic and, and it's the same concept. It's that we grow from these things um, and we have to experience that to, to continue our growth. With the step process, um, you know, the concept, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the concept of um, compartmentalizing it, do you want to explain that again a, a little bit and then perhaps some examples for a, a young dentist, um, they're an associate in their first year and they're, they're a bit fearful perhaps of their day coming up or their a procedure? Oh, yes, I love to. I love to. So as I say that fear is inevitable, fear is part of life, so it can happen any day, every day. So the way that you compartmentalize it is to actually think of it as boxes. So when I say step, you need to make the box in such a way that you can step on the boxes. And the step actually goes like a ladder as well. So remember the uh, the metaphor, the the example that I gave you uh, of the family that you have the different boxes. So imagine that if you can stack them in such a way, you will walk from one side towards your bright future. And they all need to be stacking up. They all need to be part of your journey. So you are not ignoring them, but you're actually stepping on your fear so they use it as your advantage and know that I name it, I claim it, and I nailed it. So, for example, if you have uh, your first day or, you know, early days in, in the dental clinic that you are seeing a patient for your very first time or this is a new patient to you, how do you actually overcome it? Uh, that comes in the book to say the STEP. So, number one, is that you have to set your mind. So it's setting of the mind. You've got to have the mindset to believe that you are here to do good. I, I, I think a lot of people would say that, or just think that you are good enough. Just think that you are confident. Just think that you are, you, you've done all this education, so, so you're all good to go. That's not the mindset I'm talking about. The mindset I'm talking about is to believe and remind yourself, you are here to do good. And do you believe that? You've got to believe that for you to stay on this job, isn't it? 
no matter what kind of reason that you had to get into dentistry, one fact that you are still in it, that means there is goodness in it. Why would someone choose a horrible item on the menu? No one is going to force if they hate the bean sprout. They're not going to say, "Oh, I can't see any other options. Let me just order ten of them." It doesn't work that way. So, believe in yourself. Even if you feel like you are short of something, the mindset is remind yourself your original calling. Why do you choose this? Even if it is not very clear or very big or grand, it doesn't matter. Just think to yourself, "I'm here to do good," and that is the minimum that you owe to yourself and the minimum that you should start with. So once your mindset is, "I'm here to do good," you know what? Bring a smile on your face because it's good. And then once you have that state of mind, you're ready. To go the next step, and that's when you pick up the tools. That's when you apply your technique, and that's what T stands for. So when you actually have a good mindset, and you will notice your skill, your techniques, and you will use the right tool to do it. And sometimes, let me remind you, not every dental practice are equipped in the same way. But none of those should stop us doing good. Don't blame on something that just because oh I don't have an NSK hindpiece now I have a Morito instead. Or don't blame that I don't have an EMS scaler and now I have a different whatever brand of the scaler tip. Now I only have a hand scaler. I only have this and that. As long as they are sterile, they are safe to use. As long as you know how to use that tool. As long as you believe that you are doing a service to the patient, you are doing good. So I think that is something very important. Don't get too caught up with something that you think that, oh, I really need to manage the、uh, scale and clean to whatever the standard the other people show on the podcast, or webinar, or seminar. I really need to have that particular profit paste so that I can actually get absolutely no stain on the teeth. Guess what? You are dealing with a live person. As soon as they step out, they're gonna have eating and drinking. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna somehow modify your work. <laughs> But what you don't want them to modify is a great feeling that they have after seeing you, and that is something that you want them to take with them and brag about your awesomeness. Because it's you who bring the smile on their face, and it's you who bring the happiness for them to enjoy their lifestyle. So that is something that I really, really want you to know. And I bring the number three later, number th- the third later E, enjoy. And when people enjoy what you enjoy, that is an awesome feeling. And at the end, what are we doing all this for? That is a purpose, and that's a P. So it's a purpose-driven life. That when you give, you receive, and when you receive, you can give more. And it's a cycle of abundance that will never deplete, because the legacy 
leave some. That That is such a fantastic way of framing this whole thing that each of those comes back to the purpose of doing good and I'm, I think that is just such a fantastic mindset to go into our work to know that if we are doing good, we are doing what we need to do. It might not, you know, compare, we shouldn't be comparing with others. We just need to know that we are doing good and doing the right thing. I just love how that is a foundation of everything that you do. Um, you know, the books you, the, that you've written, B1G1 and your involvement, your practice itself. I, I find that just so, so inspiring. That's fantastic. Something with um, this process and the fact that, we're, you know, you're trying to get this message out there and teach people something that was so useful to yourself. So, of course, one of the best ways is writing a book, putting it down, but you also do some um, like discovery calls and uh, uh, coaching, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you, do you have a bit of a mentor role for these people who reach out? Yeah, I would love I I would love um, people to reach out to me if you do think that this is what you need. Uh, it is my calling that I truly feel that I can help those people who really feel that they just want that personal personalized uh, mentoring process, the coaching uh, journey. Um, otherwise, that um, they can definitely read the book. That will be something that's helpful. But if you just want someone that gives you that extra um, encouragement, uh, somebody who actually let you know, pump you, pump you up, encourage you and cheer you on, please reach out. Mm. I see that as just another extension of your, you know, giving and your, you're doing this to help others. And I just think I really like that. The fact that people can reach out, you know, there would be people out there who resonate deeply with this and having that contact as well as the content in the book is is very, very valuable. Um I want to. We're going to start to wrap things up a little bit, but uh, firstly, I guess, where can people find the book? Um, that's probably a pretty important question. Where? How can people find it? Uh, I think the best way is to uh, visit my website, stepunfear.com. But I truly think that um, regardless of where you are, which stage you are in dentistry, um, you can use this book not just in dentistry. It is actually a book written as um, what David said, a purpose-driven life. So you can apply like, like myself. I apply to my kids. I apply to my workplace. I apply uh, to people I encounter in life in general. And uh, I'm sure that uh, whichever aspects that you come from, um, I strongly believe that you can all have some great takes from it. That's that's awesome. And we'll definitely have those links in the show notes as well. You, you, you mentioned something there that I'd like to ask. It's a bit more of a personal question, to be honest. Um, and of course, it's up to you. But I want to talk a little bit about all of what you've achieved with your business, dentistry, author, speaker, if writing a book takes a full-time job as it is, but you also have a young family. How do you find the time to juggle all those things? And what advice do you have to people who are trying to do a lot of different things but also have a young family? Oh, you're doing better than me, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter did wander in just before on the podcast, so um, there you go. <laughs> um, mine is just right out there. And you know what's keeping them? Legos. 
Yes, yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. We were playing just before. That's right. Yeah, so um, I, I, I think it's very important that all of us know that if one person can do it, you can too. And even though that um, it might it might seem to be like, oh, how did I get all this time to write a book, to be a speaker, uh, to run a you know business as well as to look after the family? I don't get more time. I still only have twenty four hours a day, just like every one of you, and I still sleeping. I still struggle yes. to get out of the bed. <laughs> Yeah. Um I think I think what I can share is that a strong belief in your calling to really believe that you are here to do good and to really believe that everyone has a story to tell. Give that person the opportunity to be able to build the trust with you and share their side of the story. So just because somebody that you bump into on the road or someone at work that not really set you in a good mood and you have no idea which button you touch or press, <laughs> don't worry too much. Just believe that this is another frustrating emotional situation. That's a fearful situation. Just step on it. And the best way to step on it is to get into that mind, talk to that person, pick up the good communication skill, be honest, be genuine, don't do anything in that fear. In other words, when you are talking to people, don't get emotional. Just stay on the facts and then just say what you feel truly. And sometimes people might tell you the truth might hurt, but it's better to learn from the lesson and be so happy about the outcome rather than hiding in a dark place with fear. So don't get yourself into that position. And for me, that um, I do, I do remind myself every day. It's like what when you when you do the positive affirmation, when you do meditation um, in the morning, when you say a morning prayer, when you do the exercise to get yourself out there, breathe some fresh air. All this great thing is for you to know that you are worth it. And when you can discover that self-value in you, you will know that every day is a gift. And that's why it's called present. Yeah, that's that's such good advice and such a fantastic way to wrap that up. Um, Dr. Catherine Yang, I really appreciate your time. I want to ask you just a few last questions. Um, one of the ones I wanted to cover is that you mentioned earlier on when around the time when you met Paul uh, Paul Dunn, who is the founder, one of the founders of B1G1. You you said you, the business was in a, a bit of a despondent state. It, it was a bit of a challenge at the time. Um, I want to ask if you could go back and change that, would you, or do you think the what you've learnt through those challenges has been better? Oh, very good question. Awesome question. Um, I was working for uh, um, for my boss. Actually, uh, they gone through at least three different bosses, but I was still in the same place. So I was uh, one of the oldest furniture. So I was working for someone else for 14 years. 
a cup of someone else and uh, in the one place. Then up to a point that um, I really need to make a decision whether I stay on and keep changing the way I, I work or I should stay true and then pursue what I believe uh, in running a business. So I have to remind everybody that in dentistry, it's just like any business. There's no right or wrong the way that you want to run your business. So please do not feel criticized or please do not criticize other people uh, about how they run their business. That's a choice. But what you can is has to stay true. So at that time, I had a vision that I want to run the practice of my own in the way that I want. Therefore, that I started um, my, my business. So when it was started, I was very limited um, in the in the skills and the resource. So obviously that I, I allowed the limiting belief and the mindset gets into me. So we only had uh, three people. I myself as a dentist, uh, my great uh, DA, who is actually a person with multiple hats, she need to answer the phone call, clean the clinic, uh, help the patient, help me uh, wrap up everything, do the stock count, ordering and everything. And my husband is a part-time practice manager, <laughs> need to pick up the kids, look after people. And mind you, at that time that we're living a three-generation uh, generational household, a family. So it was it was like a, a full on. So for me that um no, the money I we couldn't see money coming in. We just keep putting money in and we are exhausting everybody. And that is the time that I realized burnout. And if I may please stress that, don't take advantage of people who love you so much. Don't don't overwork them just because they say like, oh, I can do this for you. You can save these. You can save that. Don't hire another person or don't introduce another system. It's going to cost money. I can do it. No, L- listen to yourself. Delegation teamwork is the key. That's the way that you, you, have, to, you, have, to, uh, you have to welcome your future. B1G1 will not be able to function if they don't have a great team. B1G1 will not be able to help us as business to do good if we don't believe that we we live in the world of so many other people. Scared. Step on your fear. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect way to sum that up. Perfect. Uh, I hear and it's it's about impact, isn't it? It's about our ability to have a bigger, more effective impact. And again, one of the things that giving back does B1G1, something that we both use and find very helpful. Uh, it's been a real honor to have you on the podcast and really exciting to learn that you were so involved with B1G1 after we organized this. This is fantastic. I want to ask you one last question I ask everybody and I want you to think about all the graduates that are in their final year or just graduated. So they're very um, new dentists and I want you to give them one piece of advice or one tip. It can be anything from fear um, and you know, communication, technique-based, any tip that you think would help the entire generation of dentists? One tip I want to um, encourage, not just the young people, but pretty much anyone, is gratitude. You need to be grateful for who you are, what you do, but you need to be grateful to those people who help you along and help you to achieve 
or never give up on you, always believe in you, always support you, gone through the good and bad times. And you also need to believe that it's time for you to become somebody that someone else will be grateful for. That's perfect. I love that so much. Um, that that has an impact on me. I hope that has an impact on all the people listening. And I think you're having a great impact on both the dental industry, but much broader with Step on Fear and with what you're doing and giving back. Dr. Catherine Young, thank you so much for spending this time with us on the Dental Head Start podcast. It's my privilege. And thank you so much, David. I'm always so inspired by someone's story like how they got to where they are is always there's there's nuggets of gold there's useful content inside that and dr catherine yang going through a tough time with the practice meeting paul dunn who found is one of the co-founders of b1g1 and that how that has changed her path is amazing i hope b1g1 is something that inspires you as well if you like what we're doing you can contribute and add to our donations and we're also looking to change the topic as we go through the months so if you have a, a topic Topic you want to help go to b1 g1 look at the categories and you can suggest what we use each quarter now for now we have the ripe global segment of course ripe global teaches broadly and internationally particularly online if you want to get some of this content get the membership at 30 percent off for life you can check that out on our website for now enjoy the ripe global segment and we'll see you next week do you still do veneers if a patient has a lot of dentine exposed? So let's say they have a lot of erosion, it's gotten rid of the facial enamel, would you still do a veneer? I would. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's just, I feel so sorry to, to take off the entire, you know, enamel on the palatal surface. Uh, especially when they have like, you know, a good bite. When they have anterior open bite, they have no contact. And I know I'm, I can add palatally and I can, you know, yeah. do a very minimal prep on the palatal, glue it to enamel, it will not crack. Then I will go for a full crown. But some cases, yeah, I know it looks ugly. I know it doesn't look like it should be a veneer. It's all in enamel and only the borders. Uh, it's all in dentin and only the borders in enamel. I would still do them. I be- like I, I believe in adhesion if it's done uh, properly. Mm. The margins margins are probably gonna stain sooner on the dentin than they're gonna stain on the uh, stain on enamel. But I, yeah, I would still do that. I go- would not do. Yeah, do you do like immediate dentin still in those cases? Um. I probably would in, in those cases, yeah. A lot of the time, because I've got the the Cerex, so a lot of my immediate dentine sealing is done with Emacs, so that's that's pretty pretty good, nicely sealed there. But um, yeah, I, I do do a bit of immediate dentine sealing for those cases where it's just bare exposed mm-hmm. um, dentine. I have done a few, um, probably not to the same extent as I just described there, but it would be those ones where you've got like fifty percent of it is dentine and you just don't want to get everything else but those patients they they know that they do have those other options if they um do get into trouble from them all right so thank you for an amazing lecture this one's another anonymous one i was wondering if you get a patient with a single front two so let's say the one one with a yellowish tint would you do veneers Mm -hmm. symmetrically so the one one two one or would you just work on the one two so when would you do one tooth veneer versus adding more just to make it easier if the second 
central is absolutely beautiful, I will not touch it. I will do only one and I will price it more. Yeah. <laughs> so I will just charge more. So I, I always say, okay, we can do two. Uh, it will be cheaper per one. The one will be more expensive per one restoration. But, you know, if the other tooth has fillings, has some chip edge, mm. maybe I will do something to it. But yeah, I, I would much rather do a single veneer on a central. What's your record for uh, shade try-ins for a single? Uh, five or six. Ooh. It was, yeah, yeah, it was one central incisor and uh, the, the color that the patient had we couldn't find that color anywhere. <laughs> so we took out, uh, not only like with a 3D and with a classic, no, no. We went to the lab and we took out all the, you know, shade stamps of all the ceramics. <laughs> and we couldn't just find one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we couldn't find one. Uh, and, um, and we kept uh, getting this uh, like a grayish uh, tone to it. When you know, when you retract the lips, it mm. looks fine. The more you look at it, the more fine it looks. But then you know, uh, you go in a distance and you say smile, and he smiles, and it's just gray. And um, yeah, so we tried like multiple uh, cores uh, of uh, like mm. different transparency level of Emacs, and we tried multiple types of layer in the ceramics it was actually a very great uh, learning uh, opportunity for me and for technician to, to take this yeah. much time for so at, at some point you you have to stop you know counting how much money am i losing and you just take it as a learning opportunity yeah but yeah, yeah five or six we did on that case yeah mine's the same mine's five except mine was it was a color issue and then the next one the next try and the color was perfect but for some reason the shape was just completely different so that would I fix know, the shape I know. but then the color was off and then it was just I know <laughs> and we in the, the end same. we just the patient Absolutely. brought her mother in and she goes I'm going crazy if my mother says it's okay it's okay and then we put it in it looked amazing in their mouth but we could not get it to look good on the photo it just looked absolutely horrible in uh, my post-op photos but she was happy and it looked good at social distance everyone was happy thank you so much for listening to the dental head start podcast i genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist so if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com start to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.